Welcome to the third annual virtual aquaponic cannabis conference. Please support these companies. They took the time to educate us during this conference. There we go. Thanks so much for joining us there, Shannon. Uh, it's nice to have you back again this year. You had a wonderful presentation last year and uh, a great uh, episode on the podcast. For those of you that don't know, he's uh, the head cultivator down there at uh, Sweetwater Aquaponics in South Africa. He's been kind of leading the way in education and, and kind of showing everybody how to actually grow properly in aquaponic cannabis as well as uh, living soil. And you can check out more of his uh, facility, both on my YouTube channel and from last year's conference. Hi, Steve. Thanks very much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Um, it's in the evening now in South Africa. It's hard to tell there because uh, we have a lot of load shedding. We have serious electricity restraints in this country at the moment. Um, and it's not looking good for the future. They say for the next 10 years we have issues, um, <clears throat> which affects everything really. Um, it affects the water supply, the water sanitation. Uh, you know, everything we have to back up powerful for everything now so you know the ex expenditure that we weren't really expecting uh, right now with all the other expenditure that's required for cannabis growing um so yeah i've, I've i must say i've come a long way since last year's seminar uh, i did your uh, your master class course soon after that and i must say it's you know exceptional exceptionally good course I learned a great deal from it um, and <clears throat> I put into practice what I learned from it with my winter grow and on the facility, even though we we uh, are, we have the only aquaponics cannabis license in Africa currently, there are other people applying for aquaponic licenses, but with our current constraints with electricity and water, it's been quite difficult to, to go forward with aquaponics, but we will make a plan um, <laughs> as we have. We've got backup generators. We're looking at solar now to keep the aquaponics safe. You know, with um, electricity breakers and things like that, with all the load shedding on and off, it affects everything. And breakers crash, and you're not aware of it. Not not every breaker has an alarm, and <laughs> due to that, I actually lost three modules of fish um, this year on Christmas Day, actually. <clears throat> so. It was a bit heartbreaking, but <clears throat> with aquaponics, you've got to be strong. You've got to get up and go and you've got to keep going because there's a lot to learn and a lot to, to administer in the aquaponics and keep everything well balanced, as you say previously in your introduction. Um, and that's, that's the biggest challenge. But, um, you know, all the other aquaponics systems that I've seen internationally don't have uh, Dutch buckets. Well, in America, you, you would call them grow buckets, but we call them Dutch buckets, just so you, as, a, as a reference point. And I have probably three, four hundred buckets um, linked to my, my modules I'm running from the deep water, also linked to um, pulsate, which are buckets with, with um, sorry, the, the pulsators of, of buckets. Um, which are elevated and also um, get the water from the DWCs and then as a pulsator feeds the buckets, feeds 20 buckets at a time to each bucket. So they're lined up as such that each pulsator feeds 20 buckets to the left and right of it. 
And um, through all my, my um, experiments with aquaponics cannabis, uh, from my initial experiments before I did your masterclass course, came a long way from there. I've, I've been do, doing the dual root zone in the deep water, in the media beds, and in the buckets. Um, and it's you know it's not as not as plain sailing as I, I was hoping or thought because the, the because the buckets are elevated. Um, you know, the 25 liter buckets, and they they elevate on 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 building blocks to keep to get the levels right. So you have your your um, your drain lines going back to your stump. So everything's got to be level. And so they they stand they stand probably about 80 centimeters off the ground, and then you plant into that, and your plants stand really high. And we had very high winds in the eastern Cape in South Africa, and also very close to the coast so we do get hammered by the winds so having the plants elevated in the buckets and also in the media beds makes it even trickier because of, of the wind factor and we are getting we are ramping up um, all the tunnels and getting support around the tunnels for, for wind protection and even with scrog netting um, the elevated plants got smashed we had a very hard um, storm just before christmas and yeah, I lost I lost a hell of a lot of plants in the in the Dutch buckets because of the elevation and the media beds, um, and even in some deep water. So that's yeah, it's a lesson learned. And once again, we've been we've been doing commercial cannabis now for three years, and we we still putting countermeasures in place. But yeah, we we're getting closer every day. Um, so I've got I've got a, I've still got a lot of plants in media beds, very big plants, uh, bigger than I was hoping for, um, with tree trunks and stems. So it's encouraging to see that that they they are resilient in that way. So that I've got some very strong plants in skunk number one in the media beds, and I've got some nine pound hammer in media beds as well. So they're doing very well. The ones that haven't died, um, and and then I the, the plants that I did lose in the deep water now. I did a breeding program about a year ago, and I'm doing now a hunt through those those seeds. I just popped a whole lot of seeds, and I put those big seedlings back into the deep water now where I lost plants in in the jewelry zones with them, and they're doing very well. So, not all is lost, um, but lessons learned. Um, but we we're pushing forward, and as soon as I can get the aquaponics 100% sound, we'll we'll be expanding. But I. I need to get it right before we invest more into it because cannabis farming requires a lot of capital input and it's obviously high risk. And so we just need to create a balance. So I'm pushing a lot of a lot of uh, cannabis through um, in my ground grow. My ground grows, I'll just say ground grow, but the, the holes that we put into the ground are we put living soil, so we plant into the living soil into the holes. Um, so that, that that hasn't changed, and that's doing very well. And I'm doing stunt number one and three tunnels like that at the moment. We have a strong offtake to Australia for that particular strain, and um, yeah, so that that's going well. And then in, in the other tunnel, I've got 300 fabric bags, 40 liter fabric bags with nine pound hammer doing screw. And I did I did the same run in in winter just to get the feel for it, and you know with. Uh, Without grow lights, without proper grow lights, you're only going to get trichomes on, on any growth in winter. But, you know, we, we're also busy installing the big extraction unit now. 
So all of the winter grows that that aren't up to standard will go into that extraction unit and will make medications. So um, we're also going to be putting up another six um, tunnels for bag growers because our uptake is increasing to Australia, which is very encouraging. There are currently 80 cannabis licenses in South Africa, um, but not all of them have offtake. Offtake is obviously one of the huge credentials we need to survive in this industry. So a lot of people are still struggling to find their feet, as, as we are. We haven't found our feet yet. And we're still having to put a lot of money in. But at the same time, I'm growing cannabis to make that money to put back in. So it's, it's working that way at the moment. <clears throat> so we had a, it's been a very rough summer because of the water constraints and electricity and, and the loss of fish. But the, the loss of fish, I've got enough fish to, to put back into those systems now. So I'm just balancing things out there and getting the plants back and just settling down all the systems. Obviously, when you have a, a huge fish loss like that, you get a pH spike. So you need to just counter that. And that, that takes, for me, it takes a couple of weeks just to, until I'm happy and I put new water in and get the EC right and everything. But it does it does affect the way your systems and fish are on mass. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, it's, it's, it's going well. And besides, well, I've had a lot of issues with mice this year as well. Not just spider mite, but I've had um, broad mite, and you know, Steve, I, I had it, I had it early last year as well, and um, I, I was told that it was something else. I was told it was a viral infection, and um, come come down to it, you corrected me and said, no, that's not a viral infection. It's mites, and so since then, you've helped me in many ways, Steve. Thank you very much, with with the mice and and with um, my arsenic issue, which I'll get to. Um, so with, with the mites, as you said to me last year, I, I, I took a different stance and, and then I thought I had control of it in, in winter because I, I, I sanitized the tunnels with, it, with all sorts of, of chemicals to make sure. And then um, I planted up my, my summer grow in, in late October under, under LED lights for vegging. And before I knew it, the entire crop was just covered in, in broad mice to the point where the leaves were leathery and deformed and almost like looking like a claw. Um, and yeah, you could tell, you could tell, um, you actually said that I should be using only mineral oil. Um, but you know, I am using real RPM products and the Metarism 78, the particular product which, is, which targets mice, a broad spectrum. Um, with some power also you know I, I was using that as, as my as my usual product and you said the the mineral oil which i went and purchased afterwards and i did some research on it i'm a bit wary to use it because of the burning factor and, and we it's been really we had a heat wave now as well so i was just worried about burning the crop with that i haven't had experience with it yeah, obviously the viscosity of the oleum is a lot more dense than the mineral oil they use on the metarisiums. Um, but we, we, I seem to have taken control of it now. Uh, it's been very, very hard spraying, um, but not with, not with chemicals. I've, I've been using the, the, the RPM products and it looks like we've got hold of it now. And I did a predator release um, on Tuesday, Wednesday this week. 
And um, I had the IPM guys come up here yesterday and we, we looked at some leaves and we could see the predator mice and could see very, very few, if any, um, broad mice. So I didn't, I did, I, the last time I sprayed the, the mice was the, the Friday before putting the, the predator mice in now because I used which dissipates in a few hours and I just wanted to leave a bit of food for, for the mice for the predatory mice otherwise there wouldn't be much for them to do so i'm hoping that i can rest easy now on, on that scenario and I've, I've got enough to to inoculate the entire farm just to cover myself because it's just out of hand but now I, i've got it under control thankfully and thank you for your advice on, on the mineral oil so that was a really hard knock so we've had the, the load shedding we've had no water um we've had to harvest water rainwater We've had the mites, we've had the wind, we've had several issues, issues this year. Um, but as cannabis growers, we need to be resilient as, as the plant is. So we've got to get up and, and keep going forward. So I'm, I'm, I'm not despondent at all. I'm very, I'm very encouraged and I'm very keen to, to do another grow now. Um, as soon as I harvest this grow in the top aquaponics tunnel, I'm going to do another grow an autumn grow and um, I'm, I'm also I need to tell you that I, I, I I've had problems with with living soil um, in the dual root zone scenario and I did more living soil than, than cocoa perlite because of the, of the financial constraints and just trying to balance where we spend all the money um, and I've had problems with with capping on top of the of the of the living soil um, on top of the pot, the algae seem, tends to grow on there and causes a, an undesirable cap. So, and also I find that the, that, that the, the living soil tends to compact in, in, in aquaponics. So my next move, my next grow, which I'm going to do now in the end of February is, is going to be purely cocoa peat and, and, and perlite for that grow, just to see the difference because I don't, I just feel that the, that the roots found resistance, um, especially in the buckets, not in, not, not in the deep water, but in the buckets and the media beds, I could just tell there was resistance uh, for the roots, the roots to develop there. So I'm going to do that, and I, I feel quite excited about that. Even though it's going to be more expenditure, I think it's going to be a, a better grow. So <clears throat> that's why I am with that. And um, the arsenic issue I had, the year previous to last year, um, 2021, and you you also told me about kelp issue there, and um, I have told you that since I've stopped using kelp-based uh, products altogether in aquaponics, I've had no arsenic issues. My arsenic um, levels on my COAs are practically zero, so that's very encouraging. So that was a wonderful tip, Stephen. Thank you very much, um, uh, because. I, as you know, I, I tested everything. I tested the stone, I tested the fish, I tested the fish food. I, I was trying to see where it could be leaching in from, but it couldn't be leaching in. So, yeah, you put me on the, on the right track there. So thank you very much for that. And the, the, the people who supply us that kelp-based product is also a, a real RPN. And I did bring up the topic with them, and they've got defensive, which I, I, don't, I mean, I do understand. They got defensive um, and said that there must be some residual in the lab where the, where the tests are being done. And I speak to the lab and they said, no, that, that's impossible. 
And now there are other clientele who have got back to them, not in aquaponics and other growers with using the same product and their arsenic levels are through the roof. So they are looking at this now that the real RPM are looking at this issue. They've got a scientist on it. So they are now putting us onto different products. If you want to use different products, we're using a product called Bitrosol, which is a, it's a, it's a ferment or sugar beet, a sugar beet um, ferment, which is also high in. It's a very good product. You can't do like it. And you can use it in aquaponics. So, so we're we diverting, and then um, you've also informed me that I should be using silicates. I haven't done, I haven't made that change yet. I just feel that I just need to go gradually and make small changes and and adjust as as we go. Um, so it, I find that aquaponics you just need to do things gradually and, and and not swiftly. So that works for me. So yeah, I've 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 learned a hell of a lot um, since I did your your masterclass course. And it's given me a lot more confidence, even though I've had some serious issues now. I understand the issues and why I've had the issues, and I will now correct those. And I was actually looking forward to a very, very strong um, summer crop in aquaponics this year. So, but because of the facts that I've mentioned, I haven't achieved that. But I thought I will achieve some some very nice aquaponics flower um, in this in this grow now, and then I look forward to doing the one in March. And um, I've also come a long way with my genetics um you know when we first spoke i was having difficulty getting genetics but there are some companies now in south africa who are importing very strong genetics um, from from the states and, and from canada which is very encouraging and i'm also doing my own breeding now so that's that's also just a fun part of it for me i like breeding part of it too but yeah my main focus is on the on the economics and to make it 100 uh, percent sound I haven't I haven't done the labs application yet either, um, but I want to, I want to do it. I actually went to a, to a factory that makes uh, well, they call it mask in this country, but it's basically what you drink, Stephen. Um, and so they say they can actually provide it for me, which makes it easy. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm basically running this facility on my own with, with my staff. I don't have any. Um, well, I have I have one one young gentleman who who came from an aquaponics um, academy, and he didn't have much hands-on um, experience at, at the academy, but more more theory. And then he did work a bit, but that kind of didn't let him into the into the systems as much. Um, but now I'm, he's doing he's doing all my adjustments. He's doing my additives and. Yeah, so I need I need someone who understands the aquaponics that I can actually take a break because I've been doing this for like five years now without a break. So, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, as you know, when you, when you take a knock, you take a knock, but you've got to keep going. So that's what I'm doing, and I just need a bit of a break. So <clears throat> I look forward to that. Um, so yeah, I'm still I'm still proving the concept of, of aquaponics to uh, the new owners of, of our facility. We, um, my original partner decided that he didn't have the patience for it and he wants to rather go and retire and do something else with his life. So I did find a new company to buy the facility. Unfortunately, they, uh, they are on the, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange and the the name of the company is about healthcare, and they're also on 
the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. Um, and the idea being there is to get our South African aquaponics growing cannabis into the recreational market, even though they're capping the THC at 10 and 12%. <laughs> makes it, makes it, making it, having to look at new strains and looking for weaker strains as such. But I've been looking for, you know, high THC strains out elsewhere for different strains or for different markets. But that's fine too. I enjoy, I enjoy that. I enjoy working with different strains. So, yeah, I, I do believe that I will prove the concept now uh, to my new owners um, in the in the March grow. I mean, I'm going to have some really nice flowers coming out of the aquaponics. I'd, I'd like to do the comparison of COAs from my aquaponic grow to the to the the bare grow and to the ground grow, just to do the comparison because. Uh, as growing food and aquaponics, obviously the, the terpenes and the flavors in, in aquaponics are way superior to any other kind of food that you can access anywhere in the world. Because aquaponics accentuates the, the terpenes and the flavonoids. So that is, that is, that is my keenness on, on aquaponics to, to pursue that. So once, once I've proven it, proven the concept to them, um, we will, uh, I look to, actually change the entire facility over to aquaponics but I really need to prove that it can work 100% throughout the year through all the seasons and it's going to take take us um, getting a bit more data and experience in, in the climate and area and everything else that goes with it now with solar because now if we, if we have to go solar it's going to have to, it's going to have to be a very strong system in order to run lights with so there's all these things that we're having to look at in this country now, um, but the, enti the entire country is having to adapt to it. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's just what we do inside it. So we just have to adapt and the people seem quite resilient. Yeah, more so than they should, but so be it. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem too that I've seen in, in Africa is, is that the, the systems that I'm working with are all modular and they're all one one size modular. So they we, we do modular aquaponics um because it, it's safer to do that to do it that way. And it's also easier to control your nutrient flow to your plants. And so I have eight fish tanks. I mean I have four fish tanks and a sun per module and I have five modules. And each each fish tank takes 22 kilograms of, of live weight, um, red nile tilapia or Mozambique's um, albino tilapia. So we, we use orange fish generally for, for the eye. And if we do slaughter fish, we, we, we don't generally slaughter fish, but if we do, it's just more acceptable to the eye and more palatable. And that's why we use orange fish. Um, um, so yeah, I get a bit lost. Just, <laughs> anyway, um, so the, the, I feel that, that the, 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 the biggest problem in African aquaponics is that it's limited to scale. And I think obviously, Stephen, I'd have to ask you to help me with design on, on a bigger system. I see your systems are way bigger than what, what we have in, in South Africa. Um, so it's, I see it's, it's, it's a whole next level. Everything's just much bigger. So I'd have to acclimatize to that too. 
that we, we could also do it modular, just, just, just many modules in one big system with, with different flowering rooms and but yeah, it's, it's going to be a completely different design. Our aquaponics um, design on the farm was based purely to, to grow vegetables and the immediate changeover from vegetables to cannabis is not that, it's not immediate at all, it's, it's very challenging. Uh, the, the nutrition required for cannabis is way more than, than required for lettuce and the mineralization is, is required a lot more for, for cannabis at flowering than ever in, in fruiting vegetables in, in cannabis, I mean in aquaponics. So everything has to be adjusted and taken up to the next level. Um, aeration of the water has also been it was initially a concern, but it's not a concern for me now. I've got the water, I've got the aeration right. I'm not using nanobubbles. I was I was told that I should be using nanobubbles by somebody. And Stephen once again corrected me on that. So I've never gone to the nanobubbles. It's quite an expensive system anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, the cost the costs just don't stop. So being the only aquaponics cannabis farm in Africa, this is quite a thing for us, um, but also very challenging. And I need to I need to keep it going, and because of that, because I need to I need other people to be encouraged by by aquaponics and, and cannabis growing in aquaponics, because it's, it it is certainly perceived as a very difficult um, way to grow cannabis, but it it is the cleanest way to grow cannabis and is the most natural way to grow cannabis. There is no more natural way to grow cannabis medicine or cleaner way than this. Um, you know, Stephen's shown me all, all the documentation as to how clean uh, cannabis is from, uh, compared to even to other, other clean grows, but nothing, nothing as clean as, as aquaponics grows. So I, I like to push the boundaries on it to, to, to test my, my abilities with it and to test the systems. But I like to encourage people to, to go to aquaponics as, as much as they can um, because it is perceived as a very difficult way to grow. And it, it is a difficult way to grow. It's a very complex way to grow. But you can also overthink it. Um, I find that uh, I used to overthink it a lot and try too much and push too hard. So I pulled back and I let, I let, I let the, the system run on their own for a while just and let nature take place, all the biology without too much interruption, adding what I had to to alter the pH, always taking the pH up in our systems. Uh, nitrification is very good in our systems. Um, I do I do add microbes to our systems, as Stephen said in his introduction. I don't have I don't have uh, an array of, of, of product to choose from, but I use I use a lot of biodine <clears throat> as, as as cleaning microbes and nitrification microbes. They they clean the roots. They they enhance nutrients. Yeah, nutrition uptake there. It's it's an incredible product to work with. It, it cleans the water so beautifully. I used to I used to have to um, vacuum the, the bottoms of my DWCs at least once a month because of all the residual the fish poop and, and fish food. Um, but since I've been using biodine, um, the microbes clean up all that excess. And when I come to the end of the grow, three months, those those DWCs are pretty clean. And they used to they used to smell kind of sulfuric at, at times. And as Stephen was also mentioning in the introduction about keeping the balance of microbes 
in aquaponics is extremely important. Um, the autotrophs and the heterotrophs, they, they, they are both ne necessary in aquaponics. Um, the heterotrophs are considered the baddies, but they're highly essential in aquaponics. But the autotrophs are the goodies because they, they do all the good work. They, they do the nitrification and they do all the good stuff. But the, the, the heterotrophs work down and they, they're responsible more for, for mineralization down the deep dark parts of the aquaponics. Um, so I do, I do, uh, I really encourage people to use to use buy down in aquaponics in South Africa if they ever speak to me. Um, I, do, I do do that. So that's that's the only additional markers that I do put in. Besides, I used to put worm teas into the, into the system too, uh, but kind of cowboy style. I just used to run them out out of the worm farm and into buckets, and then put. Uh, some molasses and then the airstone and, and aerate that for 24 hours and then add it to the system. But yeah, I did that with vegetables and it was fine. Um, but with cannabis, you basically, you're basically putting PM back into your system um, by just doing that without without treating it uh, in a better style. So I've changed my ways with, with the, the, the worm tea going into that chronics too. It's not so it's not so crucial for the bags and the ground rubber aquaponics it, it, it tends to show. And I do believe that plants do acclimatize. I've seen different strains acclimatize on our facility as well to um, to PM and things, but depending on the climate and being along the coast, we, we get a lot of humidity. And that's other, one of the other things that we need to invest or get my, my partners to invest in is, is big commercial dehumidifiers in the grow. I haven't got those yet. Um, I have um, in, in the top aquaponics tunnel, which I'm turning as close to indoor as, as I can, I'm going to be putting grow lights in there. I have put uh, heat exchangers in. There's two modules in that big tunnel. It's, it's, a, it's a 30 by a 14 meter tunnel. That's so bigger than the others. So I get a lot more plants in there. Um, and we are, I'm, I'm putting a lot of shelter on that on that tunnel um, down the sides with shade cloth. And at the ends, I'm going to be putting fans in there. And I've got heat exchangers in each of those two sumps there. So currently, we put them in, in in November, and then the the electricity supply crashed. So I actually haven't been able to use them through summer, which was the whole idea to to compare the heat exchanging systems to the systems that don't have it in summer due to the, the pythium that we pick up in, in, in summer because of the, the, the heat of the water. So <clears throat> those, are, those are the problems that we've had. Um, so that, in that, that tunnel, we're going to be putting grow lights in as well. And the idea for that is to, in, in aquaponics, is, is to get a, an eight-week grow every, every two months. So I'll be vegging plants in, in our veg tunnel. And then as I go into the aquaponics in the planting, I'll be planting into the air pots, dual root zone, um, up in the veg tunnel. I'll be vegging in those pots only for about a week. And then I'll be going into aquaponics, into the, the buckets, deep water and the media beds. And I'll flip plants immediately. So I'll get an eight week flowering period in there, go to a harvest and then continue like that throughout the year in order to make us more capital to invest in the facility. That is what's right now. So, um, that's where that's where we are now, Stephen. Um, yeah, I'm 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 really enjoying working with some some really good genetics. 
as well. Like I said, um, but yeah, I've got, I've got the one guy, um, Duke, who's helping me now on that contest. I'm training him up, him up, and I'm gonna probably have to get at least one, maybe two young growers to come in and uh, and help me work in the bag tunnels, the living soil tunnels, and and the, the ground tunnels because the the plants are just um, I've got so many plants and each tunnel has its own issue. Like the one, the one, the uh, skunk number one tunnel, the plants are so big, it's, it's this time of year that spraying them and working on them takes three times longer than it does on any other plant because of the size. But I need the size, I need the yield. <clears throat> I just plant them early. Um, and then we've got a, the, the nine pound hammer tunnel in there's 300 bags in there. And those plants are doing extremely well, and I need to defoliate all of those plants this week. And my tally man from Oni in the aquaponics tunnel as well. So I've got a week of defoliating, heavy defoliating this week. So that needs to be done. And I just need people to to be able to come and help with uh, general general plants plant work. But we'll get there too. That's also another expense. So at the same time, we're trying to grow and we're trying to save money, but it's very difficult at this stage of, of the of the facility's life. We still we still growing, getting on our feet. But we are one of one of the strongest cannabis companies in South Africa uh, due to our offtake and due to the fact that we are the only cannabis company on Johannesburg. Stock exchange so, and, and on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. So we are moving in the right direction. Um, the, the head office in Johannesburg is they're doing all the business transactions and they're also doing a lot of um, a lot of hemp. They, they're doing a lot of investing in hemp in, in, in South Africa and Malawi and Kenya and Zimbabwe. So hemp is going to be the they say that hemp is going to save Africa. So hopefully it can. Because Africa needs a lot of help at the moment. So, but yeah, it's, it's aquaponics for me is, is the most challenging, but the most exciting way to grow cannabis. It's, as I've said before, it's just a complete lifestyle. I've been on this facility for five years and I haven't been on over there five years. I can't, if, if I do leave the premises, it goes wrong. That's just the way aquaponics is. It's, it's Murphy's law. If, if you walk away, it's going to go wrong. And if you test it, you'll come back and it's gone wrong. It's just the way it is. It's 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 very volatile. Aquaponics can be very volatile if you haven't got everything in place. If you've got everything in place and you've got alarms on all your volatility that that can actually let you know because everything's working, then it's incredible. Then it's then it's that I have sleepless nights every night because of, of everything that, that that's not working in this country. I'm trying to keep it going, <clears throat> and and I am keeping it, and I will. So, yeah, strength to Africa. <laughs> so, yeah, we had, yeah. we had many similar in Zimbabwe with the power issue. For those of you guys who don't know what load shedding is, basically the, the government decides to give you just a couple hours of power a day if you've never gone through it. So that, that's what load shedding is. And that's that's been the source of his issues uh, with this form. Yeah, and we are, we are currently in load shedding due to the, to the life factor. We, Today we are off for 12 hours, 12 hours load shedding today. So it's very difficult to, to work um, like that. So, so we, at least we have um, backup generators that are, have auto start. 
Um, but those are costing us a fortune to run every day. So yeah, so that is the answer for us, but that too is another huge investment you know, for us to, to invest to get this facility up to scratch on soda is going to cost us over a million rand. It's, it's, I know it's not a lot in dollars, but it's, it's relative. It's a lot of money for us. So it's been very difficult, but uh, we have to maneuver and we have to make new ways to survive and we are currently in that process. So yeah, I look forward to doing my march grow and having fun with it. And I think, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, Stephen, unless you have anything else you would like to. Oh, yeah. I'd love for you to talk <laughs> about the cultivars that you've been growing and which ones you found did well in aquaponics and didn't and and uh, what, what have been the – you've got a lot of great genetics that you've been running. Yeah. Um, it's, it's – yeah, the, the – I was very encouraged by um, – the Jinx Proof Nine Pound Hammer. I um, it, it was a pheno that I that I picked up um, from a, a clone company in in South Africa, and they actually won won a competition with that particular pheno, and I purchased that pheno and I just kept it. I didn't actually, I just kept it as a mother plant, and then we grew it out the one year just just for fun, and then we tested it, and it, the THC levels were high. The terpenes were amazing. So at, at that time, I was focusing only on, on skunk number one. We, we pretty much are the only facility in, in South Africa who's growing the original skunk number one. I know that a lot of seed companies have exodus. But this is the original cut from the UK from the early 80s uh, that came in with a friend of mine, Simon Strainhunter. And I have that, I'm the gatekeeper for that, that particular genetic. So that's... That's how this facility is actually still on its feet um, due to that particular genetic. It's, it's very old school genetic. It's a very sought after genetic um, for, for, for smoking. It's, it's very sought after genetic. But the THC um, varies from 20 to 30% THC depending on, on the time of year. I haven't grown it under lights um, yet. So that's, that's the other problem on, on a cannabis facility um, that's, that's not completely up to scratch. If you're growing um, with nature and, and, and sun, your THC levels will vary per each grow, obviously per climate. But you know, for, for an offtake, for an international offtake, obviously the client would like the, the product to be, to be stable and consistent every time. So that's a big consideration for any, any cannabis facility, the consistency of the product. Even even the look of the flower, so that 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 was that was how we got our offtake actually on 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 that skunk number one. Uh, their offtake is two to Australia, and they've increased that offtake tremendously. So I'm going to still be focusing on that. But it, 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 as you've seen in some of the pictures, she grows into she can grow into a massive tree. And in aquaponics, she's in my media beds, and she's she's grown up so bigly, so tall that she's actually pushing against the, the plastic now. So she's she's too aggressive, I would say, for for aquaponics. But not not it obviously depends how, how I manage that plant. If I kept her um, petite and small and grew her like more like an indoor, then yes, I, I think that, that she's very manageable. Um, I did plant these. 
constant aquaponics in November, so they they burn tremendously quickly. But but I think it's just a bit too strong for for aquaponics and and the space constraints in aquaponics. Because I've got buckets that are close to each other. If I had plants that big next to each other, I think the buckets would topple over. So that's why I looked at the um, the Jinx Pound Hammer because she's more of a, a bushy shrub um, type of style shape much more manageable especially for the wind factor that we have here so that's why i, I, I went for her i did a, I did a bad grow of her the last you know, summer before last summer and yeah we've got a 28 percent thc in her with wonderful terpenes like i said with beautiful smoke um people couldn't get enough of it uh, but it was just a small girl it was an rnd girl just to test it and then i did the, the, the next girl I did on her was in in the bags in, in the tunnel and uh, that was a winter grow as i said didn't produce much flower just small flower with a lot of trout so i've kept that product for for extraction and then i did her in aquaponics now those pictures that you were showing now were, were downtown emma um in aquaponics because of her shape and her size <clears throat> she's much more manageable but she's a she has a lot of foliage, a hell of a lot of foliage. And the ones in the tunnel, I've, I've defoliated those plants twice already. Now I've got to go for a massive defoliation because they, they're in pre-flower now. So that'll be the last one that I do. So it's going to be a, a heavy one. Um, in aquaponics, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same because of the nitrogen levels. I'd, I'd have, I would have far better stretches, um, I believe, in, in aquaponics because of nitrogen levels. So different, different looking plant, but not not as big as as the plant number one. And um, I've also um, I've got um, Solfar Genetics um, LSP Lumpy Space Princess in deep water in aquaponics now, but she's in the, in one of the modules where I lost the fish. So I'm going to be run, I'm going to be running that system now. I'm going to start. I'm going to juice um, with the product that I mentioned earlier, the Barbatrosol, which is the um, the sugar beet ferment. Which is a very nice product, and I'm going to just run that system um, with the biotrisol before I introduce it to winter again. So I'll finish that growth with the biotrisol. So it won't be an aquaponic growth much, but I started it off as one, and the plants are in there now. They've got nice root systems, and it's a, it's a beautiful plant. And that, that plant has two, it's, it's heavy skunk number one bred into her. You can actually smell it, smell it when you break the leaves off. So I'm looking forward to that. I've also got some genetics from Farmer Fly in America, Bad Sally. And Farmer Fly, he, he breeds for himself for his own uh, medicine. So he doesn't, he doesn't chase the, the high THC. So this, I've got Bad Sally, which is one of his, his um, very beautiful plants. So she's got a very purple flower and she's an Afghan um, line. So she's also a, a, quite a low shrubby bush, but a very strong grower, a very strong bush. Um, you can see her, her Afghan leaves look a little bit sativish in, in ways, but a beautiful plant. And and because of she's got a lower THC, I haven't actually done a COA on her yet because I did a, a beautiful grow on her in winter, and the bud looked so beautiful and so dense. But obviously, when I harvested it, it, it became more winter-like. So, but now I've, I've got several of, of her in in my skunk number one tunnel. And she too um, was under sufferance from my but she reacted differently to to the skunk. She she didn't get that that kind of leathery leaf. Maybe it's the shape of the leaf, because she's more sativish, I don't know, but she 
she she in, in the center she lost some leaves in the center but they were they were yellowy they, they didn't get that, that that deformed look about them and she went to flower she went to flower earlier than everyone else i think that i think the stress made her go to flower so she's in flower at the moment and the, the skunk number ones are just looking at pre-flower so I'm, I'm going to do a CRA on her. And when I did speak to Farmer Fly about her, he said that the THC in her is probably going to range between 13 and 18. Um, so she would be ideal to aim at the German market. She, she's got a beautiful bag of yours, very dark purple flowers down there with a back line, green leaf, the background. So it's fascinating plant, but with a mothball type terpene as well, also with a chemical background. So fascinating plant, and I, I also um, I, I bought regulars from it. So I also popped a male. I had a huge male which I bred to some in-house genetics. So I'm also running some of those now just to see what they do. Um, so I'm looking at Bad Sally to go to to Germany because she's a lower THC. So I'm, I'm picking strains uh, for, for for countries based on on their, their regulations. So Australia, um, which is our biggest offtake, and they will take nothing less than 20% THC currently. So, you know, with, with the skunk number one, that's not a problem. And I'm going to be sending the Jinx Put Mountain Hammer to Australia this year as well. Um, they're very keen to to have that. So that'll be the first for them. And I know the THC will probably be about 28% THC on the front hammer. So I've also, I'm also growing I'm sure a lot of people have heard about Blue Skies, Vienna Skunk um, in, in England. He's quite a controversial fellow. Uh, but his genetics are fascinating, uh, all skunk-based genetics, and, and they are they are skunk-based genetics. I've, I've, grown, I've grown his stuff, I've bred, I've bred with his stuff, and the, the F2s are all, all skunk-based. So I'm very excited about that. Um, so I'm, I'm growing some of those out now as well in, in deep water just to see. The, the full expression of those plants. I haven't seen them anywhere. I'm just letting them grow as they want to grow, just so you get an idea of what they like. And the, the stem rub, I, people say they don't believe in stem rubs, but it gives you an indication. And everything that, that I rub off is the air twos are just heavy stuff. Based. So I'm very excited about that as a lineage going forward um, because there's all the different turkeys um, mixed up into that with all the fruits and the berries, and they're all in there. But it's not that, that I haven't found something like a skunk number one yet that's that hasn't got that nasty skunk. It's got a very appealing skunk, fruity background, a, a blueberry background. So, yeah, I, I find genetics fascinating. It's just an endless thing. My, my, my fridge is just full of seeds. My girlfriend has more seeds than food in the fridge, and it's true. But it's, it's just fascinating to me in the different terpenes. But, um, yeah, the genetics. Um, um, I really enjoy working with, with Oni Genetics. I've just purchased um, some big bird gene genetics from them now, and that's Tropicana cookies. Um, it's probably not Tropicana cookies. And I've got Tropicana cookies now in the stable now, and it's a, this particular pheno is a 30% THC. So also that the LSP from Solfine Genetics too is a 31%, so she's a banger um, with beautiful colors too. So I'm, I'm collecting some really good phenos um, to go forward with. I just don't, I don't want to have too many 
but I, I'd like to I'd like to have a new flavor um, in each in each year to 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 grow for for potential clients that we don't stagnate. Obviously, uh, our flagship always comes number one. We've got a potentially very big offtake um, for that particular strain. So uh, that that's our flagship until things change. I don't think that will change. And um, you know, she's more than twenty years old already. It's a huge market for her. So I like to I like to work on select strains, um, and I'm I'm still busy finding those strains. I've got some some very good strains now. Um, I've got some friends who are really strict collectors in, in genetics, and they they do share with me, which is a wonderful thing. People do feed me wonderful genetics too. It's very difficult to to get all the stuff and and do the pheno hunt and find the right pheno. It's not that it's a very timeless process with everything else that we have to do on a daily basis. And the daily basis um, does not stop. And it's very demonic, but very rewarding, and also very heartbreaking, to tell you the truth. But you've got to be resilient to chronic like the like plant. So. But it's, it's, it's just wonderful. I, I can't get enough of that chronic. It's, it's my life, and it'll, it'll remain so. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be working with a lot more onigenetics going forward. Um, definitely the Tropicana cookies um, and the big bird and, and this Teleman that I've got now is a wonderful cleaner. I've actually got a, a great deal of Teleman growing right now. That's that one that you were showing with all the colors in winter. That was a winter grow. And I've got, I've got a good big crop of Teleman coming out. So my, my, big, my big yield is for this coming March crop. We're going to harvest in March this year. Um, it's going to be skunk number one, the Jinx Group 9 time MA, the Oni Genetics Telemet, the particular pheno, also the 26% of THC. So everything we're growing at the moment is above 25% THC in summer, and then obviously as the sun weakens, THC weakens with it until I get lights. But I'm going to be putting, hopefully, getting lights into my topic this time shortly before winter. Um, yeah, um, cool. I think I've covered most things. Stephen, anything else you'd like to hear from me? Yeah, um, is there any advice you'd have for people that are just getting started in the, on a commercial farm or, uh, you know, any pitfalls or anything you think um, you could kind of educate, educate people on to make their, uh, their journey a little easier? Yeah, it's the the, the, fir the first thing that that well, I can talk from my experience in South Africa. You, you require a lot of patience, a lot of patience to to get your license, your your legal growing license for for growing cannabis, acquiring your GAP accreditation, and then acquiring your your GMP accreditation. And these acquisitions take a long time. Um, uh, our governing, or uh, yeah, our, our governing, uh, the, not, I mean, the body that that, that that hands out the licenses governs the, the industry is called SAP, the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority. And they, once you do application, the application costs a million rand, about a million rand these days. Um, when we applied four years ago, it was just over 100,000 rand. So it's, Increased dramatically, um, 
and the license is valid for five years. So when you apply for your license, you have to give them the, the full amount in the application and you have to set up your facility for inspection. And that means that you have to set it up fully for what you've applied for. So you have to set up your grow area, the way you're going to grow, your security, your cameras have to be in place, your, your facilities have to be in place where um, you're going to be doing all your handling of the product, your drying, your, your de-stalking, your curing, everything. The, the whole facility has to be in place and it has to free flow from one side to the other. And <clears throat> it's a very expensive endeavor because once once you feel you're ready and you put all the signage up and everything's flowing, you still can't grow cannabis. So you put all the money in and you put the money in for an application and then you wait until they are ready to come and inspect the facility. And when they come to the facility, they, they come in and there's two, two, two inspectors that come from, from SAPRA and they start with your SOPs and you've got a, you've got a, a filing cabinet of 44 files, these are arch files, full of documents, full of your SOPs, your security documents, your service level agreements with, with all your vendors, all your compartments um, of, of, of handling the product have to be in place with security, with cameras in your facility. It's, it's your your fencing has to be up. Your everything has to be compliant, as as you and you are given a compliance list um, on your application. So you have guidelines as to what you need to do. So when when but in South Africa, when you apply for your license, you could only apply for a grow license, and and grow license means your GAP license which means you can grow the, the cannabis and you can take it up to, to your facility and you can dry it and cure it and you can pack it in big volumes and export it. That's all you could do. You, you, you couldn't even apply for GMP accreditation. It wasn't in place since like that at the time. So you could only grow the cannabis and export it in bulk. But things, things change rapidly after that and things are way up to speed now before way behind the rest of the world. So then once the inspector's been, you'll, you'll get your report back. And if you, if you failed your inspection, I'll tell you why and what you need to rectify. And I'll come back in about three months' time and do the inspection again, which also costs another fee. So all the while, you aren't making money. You, you're putting money in. And, and you, it took us 18 months to get a license. And that was quick for South Africa. But all the while, we, we weren't really generating it and we were putting the money. So putting money into a hole. Um, and you weren't allowed to grow for recreation and, and, and you still are not allowed to grow for recreation. So that you can only grow for, for export. And to, to acquire export accreditation, you, you need to have accreditation EU GMP, which is European GMP good manufacturing practice. Um, and we have we have South African GM, but it's not recognized in Europe anywhere else in the world. So it's a, it's a pointless exercise. So in order to to get up to up to scratch, we have to get control union to come in from overseas and do the full inspection and into, and, and, and put into place what is required for, for European GMP. 
Um, and it, it, it costs a vast amount. Everything you do in a facility costs a vast, a vast amount of money. Um, so you, you need to have very strong investors to be, to be sure, to be safe, and your investors need to be bullish. They need to be bullish and then they, they need to understand that the risk is high and the risk is very high. And that the rewards, the, the rewards can be high. The, the key to success, as, as we've seen it, is compliance. Um, but even compliance in Africa is nowhere near to compliance in the rest of the world, as I've seen. But we are as compliant as we need to be for compliance about Africa. And that, that, that's regarding security, cleanliness. We have PPE. We have all, all the PPE equipment that, that's required. We all wear that, that equipment. Uh, we don't have an indoor grow as such, so we don't have to wear PPE um, in the, indoors, which can be pretty pretty warm in South Africa, but other facilities do. Um, so you need, you need a lot of money, and then and then we haven't even got to to the, the actual style of growth. I mean, aquaponics is is is, is unique in it. It's, it's a biological system. I'm sure that in America it must be very difficult as well because of, of the temperatures and fluctuations you get there. We have the same, but we have opposite. We we have heat heat problems. You guys have freezing problems. So it requires more input because of, of the biology. Um, you're dealing with living microorganisms, fish, and plants, obviously. So we have to we have to put more money into accommodate things where vegetables didn't need to do that. Um, so but but aquaponics is the future. It's it's, it's the future of, of, of any any agriculture, the way things are going at the moment, um, the way they're cutting carbon emissions, everything. Uh, even cattle. Uh, so aquaponics is, is definitely the future of, of food security in the world and medicine. There's no doubt in my mind. So the more the merrier I say. Um, but it, it, it is high risk, it is highly volatile. But as in, in the same breath, things are improving to, to make it easier every day. Technology is going to help us. So for me, it's, it's the only way. But the investors, obviously, investing in, in aquaponics is, is, is more. Is more complex because it's, you, you haven't invested in the components. And the diversity of aquaponics is growing as I see it. A lot of aquaponics systems that I see in the world are all just deep water. And I see that, that a lot of people don't use their media beds to grow it. And I, I understand why they don't grow media beds, but I also believe that, 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 that you can and that you should because your, your, your space is limited in aquaponics module. So I do grow media beds. People don't like to grow media beds. They stay because it's highly volatile with it because that's where your nitrification is taking place. Um, yeah, it, it is volatile because that, but you also have living organisms. You have, you have your, your, your microbes, you have your earthworms, your, your red wrigglers, your earthworms living in, in your media beds, in the stone. They're living down in the stone. They, they're helping with the, 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 whole, the whole process of making Um so I believe that I believe strongly you can grow very good cannabis in media beds. So I do, and I get some of my strongest growers in media beds. And um, so I'm, I'm 
all the deep water grows. And deep water is a very, it's a very complex grow. I know, I know for Stephen that it's not, it isn't for you. It isn't for Marty. Um, I mean, you guys grow incredible cannabis on deep water. You guys have been doing it longer. And yeah, I'm, I'm still getting the hang of it and I'm still not getting it right yet. But once it's right, I understand that it works beautifully. I mean, the flowers you guys produce are incredible. And I have had nice, nice flower on, on deep water too. But I need, I need everything to be more consistent because of our, of our, our commercial situation. So everything needs to be more stable and it's just more, more free flowing. They are definitely more stable cannabinoids too. And I can achieve that in, in aquaponics. Um, so the lighting is, is something that we, we haven't afforded yet. And, and grow lights are extremely expensive. I've, I've got a quote just, just this last week for, for 50 grow lights in, in, in this tunnel that I'm trying to get scooped up now to an indoor type grow. And it's, it's half a million rand. And at the same time, we, we're trying to afford solar for the aquaponics. That's 1.2 million. <laughs> Everything's millions. <laughs> so, so the investors of aquaponics cannabis facilities need to be very strong and very bullish, and 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 know that they're on the right course. They they need to be they need to be confident in, in, in their grower and and in their grow, and then and then they need to leave the grower alone. Um, aquaponics is very complex, and the the grower. The grower knows their system more than anybody. He doesn't need anyone coming from the outside and telling him what to do and, and giving the advice. Just leave the aquaponics grower alone. He's living, or she is living with those microbes, with those fish, with those plants. It's, it's an ongoing thing. It's, it's like it's almost systemic. For me, it's, it's living it's like systemic. I know what's going on. I didn't know when my fish because my alarm didn't work. So yeah. But it, it, it requires a lot of money, but, but the rewards, if you can grow, if you can get flower to grow like, like Marty and Stephen grows, but those big, beautiful buds, you're going to make your money. And it's going to be the, the highest level of terpenes, the highest level of cannabinoids, the, the cleanest flower that, that, that you can achieve with, with um, unoxidized triplets, which is the medicine. Thank you so much. Uh, it was really wonderful having you on uh, all the way from South Africa. I appreciate you uh, being with us at, a, at an unusual time for you. So thank you so much. And uh, uh, if you guys want to find out more, you can find out him, Sweetwater Aquaponics, uh, on Instagram. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Please support these companies. They took the time to educate us during this conference. If you're looking for more education on aquaponic cannabis, please consider the Aquaponic Cannabis Masterclass at apmjclass.com, featuring over seven days of in-depth, hands-on educational content with Marty Waddell and Stephen Reisner as your guides through the aquaponic cannabis universe. We'll cover everything from construction of large commercial facilities, home size systems, backyard systems, nutrients, pest control, diseases, everything you can think of and, uh, and so much more. So be sure to check that out at apmjclass.com. And if you're looking for aquaponic cannabis or living soil uh, pest control courses, please check out uh, thepestclass.com 
where we have a huge in-depth course on pest control, how to make your own um, bio controls, as well as in-depth guides and identification guides for a whole slew of different pests that you might encounter in your aquaponics garden. And it's not strictly just geared towards cannabis, uh, it's also geared towards vegetables as well. So be sure to check that out if it's something you think you might need to improve in your education.